Well, good morning, Sailorville. If you brought a copy of Scripture with you this morning, you can find 1 Thessalonians and the last chapter, chapter 5, as we continue in our series, Living in the Light of His Return. And this message fits our theme perfectly. I don't know what you're thinking right now. As uh, we come to church on a Sunday morning, we try to put aside some of those worries and those things that have frazzled us. But sometimes we just can't shirk them all, can we? We, we come in with these thoughts. Some of, our, some of us are, have, are fearful this morning. Some of you are just scratching your head over all that's been taking place in the world and in our land and in our country. But, uh, but believe me, all of these things have a sort of portend to them. They have a they have, a, they have an eschatological element to them. That's, a, that's just a theological word, which means future events. We, we believe that Jesus is coming again. And that as a result, it will be the result, first of all, of his promise that he's given us. But there will be cataclysmic events that will precede and certainly follow his return. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but a number of years ago, in our city, and really in cities across the country... Uh, these God signs appeared all over the place. And they were cute and funny. And uh, my, my, the one, my personal favorite was this one. <laughs> Don't make me come down there. The Bible declares there is coming, and hence the title of the message, the day of the Lord. It's referenced 16 times in the Old Testament and alluded to repeatedly. And here in this text, the Bible declares that the day of the Lord is coming. And it is exactly that. It is God's day when he himself, in the person of his warrior son, Jesus Christ, will return as a savior for those who have trusted him, as a punisher to those who have rejected him. He is coming down to settle matters on the earth and destroy his enemies deliver his saints, and ascend to his promised and rightful throne for a thousand years and forever. It is, it is the all-encompassing day of the Lord. And it starts, if my understanding of eschatology is correct, and I think it is, God help me, I think we'll all have some tweakages when we get to heaven on that. But if my understanding is correct, it begins at the rapture, which we saw a few weeks ago when we, when we left off in our series, where it tells us in chapter 4 and verse 13 and following, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so comfort one another with those very words. That's where it begins, and that's when all hell breaks loose here on this earth. And when is this going to happen? Would you like to know? Can I get a hand here? I would too, but forget it. Because a more important question is, will you be ready when it does? Because it is coming. Jesus is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. And it will be an awful time. And it will really get unpacked. When we get to the second of Thessalonians. But let's look at the first three verses of chapter 5 where we read. Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. 
For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there's peace and security. Then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. I was getting my hair cut the other day, and the woman that was cutting my hair, knowing I was a pastor, started seeing, she goes, my husband and I are reading our Bibles now. I said, fantastic. What church do you go to? She goes, well, we don't go to church, but considering all the stuff happening in this world, we thought we'd go to the Bible. I thought, good for you. God is drawing people through cataclysmic events, and I think we're going to see more of it, and we're going to see more stark contrast. And this is our opportunity, those of you who truly know the living God. We've just concluded 2020, a summer of rioting, head-scratching election, chaos, just the other day at the U.S. Capitol. This greatest country on earth is quickly turning into a cesspool of depravity. Drain the swamp? Are you kidding me? We're all in the swamp. When COVID-19 hit earlier last year, a local pastor very uh, cleverly said, I think God just sort of put his thumb on the earth and just stopped things for a little bit to settle us down. <laughs> but the day of the Lord is much, much deeper than that. The day of the Lord will come, not by God settling things down, he'll be turning things upside down. In fact, the writer of Hebrews tells us that there is coming a day when God will not only shake the earth, but the heavens. Have you ever read that? So that, watch for it, the things that cannot shake may remain. And there's half our problem. Because half of you and those watching online you're building your lives on things that shake and will be shaken when Jesus returns. And did you notice in those first two verses, Paul says things to this. Remember, this is a church, just to refresh your memory, he only spent a few weeks with them. This is a young, vibrant church. The word of God had been trumpeting forth from them. He's super proud of them. But he didn't spend much time with them. In fact, even in the, in the three weeks to a month, uh, there's a little bit of a debate how long, but it wasn't long. And in that short period of time he was with them, he taught them eschatology. He taught them about the future. He taught them about the Lord. He taught them about the day of the Lord. We know that because look at these expressions. You have no need, I tell you. Uh, you yourselves are fully aware. So don't tell me that eschatology isn't practical and important. Paul saw fit to teach brand new Christians the importance of Jesus coming again. It has incalculable value to think about the Lord's return and the ramifications that it has not only on this world, not only on its future, but on you and on me. Jesus criticized his own detractors in Matthew chapter 16, those first three verses, when he says, you can discern the, the, the time, you can discern you know, the weather, but you can't discern the seasons, the time of the return. The day of the Lord is the day God will intervene. I don't know if any of you are movie uh, 
goers, and if you like the, like the Marvel series, I, I could take, or, take them or leave most of them. But I, my favorite one is the very first Iron Man. Can I get an amen on that? First time you ever amen a movie, <laughs> Iron Man. But if, whether you win or so, so in this first movie, you know, he's this genius, you know, uh, uh, scientist, and, and he's been, he's been uh, kidnapped by these terrorists. He's stuck in a cave in the Middle East, and he's, uh, and, he, and he's been commandeered by these terrorists to build a big bomb, you know, from the materials he's, he, he is, his industry was making these bombs. And he and another scientist instead are making what would amount to be the first rudimentary Iron Man outfit. And he comes out of the cave. As he comes out of the cave, all of the enemies have their guns at him. They just unload all their guns at him. His bullets are bouncing off of him. And when they're done, it's my favorite line in the movie. He goes, my turn. <laughs> he smokes them right there. That's what the day of the Lord's going to be right there, right there. God is going to say, you've had your day. It's my turn. I'm coming back to reclaim my earth. And it's coming. Chronologically, it begins at the rapture and goes all the way through to the final rebellion and the eternal state. And it encompasses over a thousand years' time. And when he says in verse 1 now concerning the times and seasons... The word times, there's, we get, that's actually where we get our English word chronology. It's the word chronos. So it's actually talking about the timing of the event. And the word seasons is, it, it's, that's uh, speaking of the nature of that time, what it'll be like. But as long as Acts chapter 1, verse 7 is in the Bible, we can't set dates. Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven, it's not for you to know the time. But just because you don't know the exact time doesn't mean you shouldn't be ready. Amen? We're told repeatedly in the Bible to be ready and to not be blind to the events all around us and in this world. Are the things that we're seeing around us and even in our own uh, country a portend of things to come? Yes, they are. Does it mean Jesus is going to come back really, really soon? I don't know. Please make sure that's on the record somewhere, okay? But we are to be ready. The Bible never instructs us to set dates, but always be ready, and it begs the question. Are you? Here's what you need to know regarding the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord will come without warning. You see it right there, like a thief in the what? A thief in the night. I know that some of you have probably experienced this, and I, I mean, I just... I, it, it's hard to imagine coming home to a break-in, you know, somebody having broken your home and robbed you. It's another thing, and more disturbing thought, is of a thief breaking in in the dead of night. And that's the idea. He's trying to get you and I to think in this way. It's a warning across many of your bowels that are here and watching online that do not have a genuine relationship with Jesus. He's coming, it's unexpected, it's without warning. Eugene Peterson's message translation puts it like this. You know as well as I that the day of the master's coming can't be posted on our calendars. He won't call ahead and make an appointment any more than a burglar would. Well put. Positively, the day begins with that great catching up, the rapture. And that's why we believe in the 
imminency, the anytime return of Jesus. So the question is there, are you ready? Are you ready? The day of the Lord is coming without warning. And when it comes, it'll come without escape. There'll be no escape. You look at that in verse 3, people are saying, hey, there's security. I'm an American. That's not in there, but you might as well put it in there somewhere. Then sudden destruction. There's peace and security. You got a great retirement plan. You got life lock over your money. You got a security system on your home. You got Joel Osteen giving you positive thoughts. What could go wrong? (laughs) Sudden destruction. Like labor pains. No escape. Same exact verbiage, by the way, that Jesus used in Matthew 24 when he talked about those coming cataclysmic events that are coming. He says, but these are the beginning of sorrows. Have you ever read that? That word sorrows literally means labor pains. It's the exact expression here. And you moms know exactly. You, no one knows this better than you. Can I get a female amen? Another expression you won't hear that often. But just the same, you know. You know when, you go, when you've gone into labor. You know there's pain, there's sorrow, there's anxiety, and it's all, it all increases with intensity until the birth of that kid. Amen? A woman? That's a joke. Gee. Well, at least I know you watch the news. I didn't even have that in my notes. Just whatever. It's hard to say something like that and get back to the seriousness of it all. So take the fly out of the ointment. The awful events of the second coming of Jesus, one Bible expositor has said, are going to come certainly, suddenly, irresistibly, and inevitably. They're all coming. And that's why a woman in labor is the perfect illustration. It really is. Because the stories abound. Some of you could tell the stories of what happened when you went into labor and all those plans that went awry, right? My wife, (laughs) this is kind of hard. My wife, when she was pregnant, uh, not with my kid. Now I'm getting in trouble all over the place here. But my wife did not... Uh, give me my, my birth children, my fleshly children. She was married as I was once married, and we were both widow and widower. And when she was pregnant with her third child, it was the birth, or in labor with her third child, it was the birth day of her firstborn. And the birthday party was going on. Well, guess what? That didn't happen. Not for her anyway. I purposely saved the bulletin. You remember when we gave out bulletins? From Sunday, July 16th, 1995. My wife did it up. All the plans were in there. The sermon, the Sunday responsibilities, all of the upcoming events were all in it. Except that none of those things ever happened. Because she died three hours after she typed it up. And it was never delivered to the saints. Her leaving this world was 
certainly, it was suddenly, it was irresistibly, and it was inevitably going to happen. We just didn't know it at the time. And some of you are coming to the end of your days, and they're sooner than you think, and you just don't know it. It's sudden. That word means exactly what you think it means, unexpected. Just like James says, come now, those of you, you know, you're making plans, you're going to go to this city or that city, you're going to do business here. You don't even know what your life is like. It's even a, it's a vapor. Revelation 18 tells us that there is coming, because of the day of the Lord, a global world economic system meltdown like never before as the world economic system literally comes apart at the seams. It's going to happen. It's going to, it's with certainty, with sudden, it's suddenly, irresistibly, and inevitably. Are you ready? If you're not, the day will come without warning, without escape, and if you don't know Jesus, you'll be without hope. Just like it says in chapter 4, verse 13, we don't sorrow with those who've died before us as those who have no hope. And that's where you're at if you don't know Christ. Turn to Jesus before he comes back. But Paul wanted... Now, now at this point, Paul sort of, sort of hinges the text. He, he sort of turns on a dime. He's been warning those of you who don't know Jesus, and now he flips the switch. He's talking to those who really love Jesus, and notice what he says in verse 4. Where we Read this. But you, he's talking to Thessalonians now, you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. He's not saying it won't surprise you. It's just not going to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night, or of the darkness. Now you see, he says it's not going to surprise you like a thief, because a thief would you know, scare you, right? Shock you, horrify you. This is more of a serendipitous surprise, a little bit like you, know, you see the news, and you got the, the wife and the, the soldier from Afghanistan who they didn't know was coming back, surprises them or surprises the child. And the, you know, I mean, you almost cry every time you see those things. That's what we're talking about here. He says it'll be a surprise. It'll be a wonderful thing. Your redemption draws nigh. Christ is returning. And the the metaphor of light and day, night and darkness is the most common one in Scripture and the one that's most relatable. We understand this. We get it. And so at this point, Paul now is giving a charge to you and to me who know Jesus, and I'm not assuming all of you know him. I know I do. Not because I'm super godly or because I'm a pastor, but because I've repented of my sin. I've laid my heart at the cross where Jesus died for this sinful, wicked heart of mine. And I've trusted him. Have you? So the rest of this is a charge to us. Christian, prepare for that day. And the first thing he's going to tell us to do is, wake up! Your redemption draws nigh. Your deliverance is on the horizon. Look at verse 6. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. 
Notice he says, don't sleep as others do. And herein lies the problem. Some of you who know Jesus, you might know him, but you're sleepy saints. You're like it is when you wake up, you know, in the morning, having only had a few hours sleep, and you're kind of, you're awake, but you're groggy, and you're, you know, you're bouncing into the walls, and you don't look real good. That's the way it is for those of you who are not alert, you're not awake. Wake up is what he's saying. Here's how he said it to the Romans, besides this, you know the time that the hours come that you should wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Hallelujah. So wake up and clear up. Get your head in the game. Get the cobwebs out. Be sober, verse 7. Look, he says in verse 7. He says, for those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Listen. Listen carefully. Are you listening? Right now, and while it's only 10 o'clock in the morning, some of you are drunk, and you know it. You're drunk. You just don't know it. You're not drunk on alcohol. You're drunk on politics. You're drunk on COVID-19. You're drunk on BLM. You're drunk on social justice. You're drunk on government overreach. You name it, you're drunk. It doesn't matter what side you're on, your side weighs. And you wonder why it's impacted your spiritual walk with God. Am I saying to stick your head in the ground and not pay attention to this? Absolutely not. But I'm saying, clear up your heads. Jesus is coming back. This is insane. God's up there going, oh my goodness, I didn't see this coming. What kind of God do you worship anyway? Wake up and clear up your heads. Get your head screwed on. Some of you are awake, but you can't see straight. I mentioned that my my first wife, I, had a, I was married previously. My wife died. My wife's first husband, he died. They never knew each other, but they had something in common. They both had horrible eyesight. Wore pop bottle glasses. Couldn't get out of bed without putting glasses on her. They'd walk right into the wall. And that's the way some of you are. You know Jesus, but you can't see straight. You're groping about in the chaos of this present darkness. You need to be clear-headed. Walk in the light of Christ. Listen to me, saint of Jesus. You walk in the light of Jesus where there is always hope, there's always joy, and there is always a certain future. His day is coming. And in that day, Regardless of what's happening in your life right now, you will bask in the glory of Jesus Christ forever. Are you ready? Wake up. Clear up. Straighten up. And put your armor on. Notice what Paul does. He goes right to his favorite metaphor, which isn't night, light and darkness, but 
the armor of God, as he says in verse 8. But since we belong to the day, let's be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet of the hope of salvation. So straighten up and get your armor on. And every one of these aspects of the armor of God, not the complete one that you can read about in Ephesians 6, these are all protective. You can even think of the word protect here. The breastplate of faith will protect you from the fiery darts of Satan. Love, putting on love. Listen, like never before, and praise God for Lucas's message last week, Christians who know God must put on love. It will protect your heart from condemnation and rather give you compassion for the lost. Instead of pointing your finger and hating on everybody doing things that you don't like, believing things you don't believe, doing things you don't do, have compassion. They're lost. They need Jesus. So put on love, it'll protect your heart from judgmentalism. And, and you'll be able to say, oh God, but by your grace I'd be just like her. I'd be just like him. And then the helmet of hope. The helmet protects the head. There you go. The mind, get your head in the game. It'll keep you as well from discouragement. Some of you get so discouraged. And I get it. There's so many things happening in the world. There's things happening in your lives. Some of you have physical illnesses. Some of you have social illnesses. Some of you have relational illnesses. And it's very difficult to keep your head in the game. So you got to put on the helmet of salvation. And then look up. That's a good place to end, isn't it? Look up. Your redemption is drawing near. Jesus is coming again. And so he, look at this beautiful encouragement where he says in verse 9, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You ought to say, hallelujah. Who died for us, so that whether or not we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. I mean, what, a, what an act of grace here. Beautiful. Alive or dead, we live if we're in Christ. And this is for all of us here, because I know that many of us are struggling. I greeted somebody before the service, asked them how they were doing, and I think the expression was, I'm okay. It was hardly a, yeah. But they were probably being honest. I don't know what's going on in your heart right now. I don't know what you're struggling with right now. I don't know what's weighing you down right now. I got word that one of my friends is probably dying. I got word a little bit earlier, somebody that is definitely dying. I know some of you have difficult relationships. Some of you have kid issues that are just driving you crazy. Some of you are wondering how, if your job's going to be there in a couple of months. Listen, there is nothing you are enduring right now that the resurrection can't fix. Nothing. Nothing. So the question is really simple. Are you ready? 
Recently, I was with uh, one of my grandkids. I was asked to babysit. I don't do that very often. So I had all these girls, which was really weird. And they wanted to play hide-and-go-seek. Oldest game in the book, right? And it was so cute. One of my granddaughters, she's like four. She, you know, she was counting. I'm pretty sure she was looking while she was counting. And everybody was scattered. She only counted ten, and she counted really fast. But she concluded the way they all conclude. Ready or not, here I come. She took the words right out of Jesus' mouth. Because ready or not, here he comes. Are you ready? Let's pray. God, we thank you. Thank you for the coming day of the Lord. That whether or not we're ready, he's coming. Certainly, suddenly, irresistibly, and inevitably. And God, even if Jesus weren't to come for some time, you are coming individually for us, all of us. And there are people here in this room and watching online whose lives are short-lived. They just don't know it. And if that's you, dear friend, right now, would you just, and you don't know Jesus, his coming can be like a thief, not like a friend. Would you find him your friend today? Would you turn to him right now and believe with all of your heart that he died for you and rose again? He died for you and rose again. And would you trust him as your personal Lord and Savior so that when he comes, because he is coming, he'll come for you. Those of you who know Jesus, you know it's one thing to be ready to go to heaven and another thing to be ready to meet the Lord. Are you sleepy? Have you allowed the current events in this world and our nation to develop like cobwebs in your mind? Would you commit yourself now to wake up, clear up, take up the armor of God and look up to Jesus today and live for him? Would you do that? God, we pray these things in Jesus' name.